This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. Hello and welcome to this bonus episode from For Tech Sake. In our latest episode, we spoke to Dr. David McKeown, one of the originators of Dublin Maker. Dublin Maker is an event that is just made for the creative and curious Headstuff Plus community. It gathers together makers of all kinds for a bit of show and tell. So there'll be engineers, knitters, prop makers, wood turners, roboticists, just all sorts of crafters and tinkerers demonstrating their skills and their builds. It's wonderful, it's family friendly and it's free. This year's event takes place Saturday, September 2nd in Richmond Barracks in Chicor. And in this extended interview, you'll learn a little more about the passion that drives scientists and engineers like David to stage an event like this year in, year out. And something we didn't have time to talk too much about in our main episode was David's day job as a rocket scientist and engineering manager of AirSat-1, which is a student-led project to launch and build Ireland's first satellite. We'll provide you with timestamps in the show notes if you want to jump straight into the bits that you missed. And as always, we hope you enjoyed this chat as much as we did and come back to the main feed next week for an all-new episode. So, David, it's great to have you here. Great to be here. Yeah, we're in the same room and we're not going to kill each other. It's no, all going to be going very cameras. professional very well. Do I need to be concerned about the, <laughs> about the rivalry in this room? We um, love each other, really. <laughs> um, but just to start from the top about this whole maker movement. Uh, so you definitely would just find yourself as a maker and you're a big part of it. So what is a maker and what is the maker movement? Yeah, so, well, a maker, it's a very broad term for anyone who makes something, which is it's just too broad. So I guess the idea is is kind of inventors. And when we talk about the maker movement, more about your kind of your bedroom inventors or your backyard inventors. So people who may not be even professional engineers or scientists, but who like to tinker around stuff, which is kind of what we all love to do as kids and then kind of grew up and then maybe got kind of got serious and kind of forgot how to do it. Um, and it kind of has a, a few parts to it. One is that you either take kind of technologies that exist already and try to make them better. So you hack them, right? So, for example, maybe you have a toaster and it pops up and you get annoyed because by the time you have two sized toasts pop up, by the time you butter the first one, the second one's a bit cold. So you open up your toaster and you put in a circuit that delays it so the second piece of bread comes up. Thing. So that'd be one thing. You, you've kind of made your toaster better, maybe just for yourself to see how it works and that kind of thing. Um, but then you tell people about it. That's the second part, right? So you put the instructions up. If you have this toaster, here's the circuit board. Here's how you make that. And you do it. Here's the tools you might use. You know, maybe it's a 3D printer. Maybe it's all this kind of stuff. And it's it's that kind of thing. It's, it's a sharing of, of tools and ideas more than even just making stuff. Um, so that's the maker movement, which kind of came and, and went, uh, it's, it's probably about 10, 15 years old where it started, uh, that where it's kind of started in, in hacker spaces, which are places where you, you can have a membership and go and has tools and, and, and do work there. Uh, magazines that were kind of helping people share this and obviously blogs and digital. And, and now it's mainly YouTube stuff. You know, if you want to find out anything, you go on YouTube. And, and I guess there, there's loads of maker channels there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I call it YouTube University. I think a few people are using that phrase now. Uh, like we're not recommending anyone like sticks a fork in the toaster or anything like that. But it we'll, is... We'll plug it out first. Yeah, it's a real hands-on definitely kind of movement. And it definitely seems to attract a lot of scientists, a lot of engineers, uh, but also people who don't work in those areas and are just curious-minded types, I guess. Yeah, it's all about curiosity. It's that idea of, of kind of opening stuff up but avoiding warranties is, is a good way to uh, look at it not to be scared of doing that um, 
But it is broad, and each country kind of has their own thing. Ireland has a kind of you know, tradition of crafts and, and, and stuff like that, and that all falls into it as well. So people, especially the mixed max, match of, of technologies where you might have, you know, clothes or jewelry or fashion and, and bringing electronics into that or kind of improving it that way, or even just keeping some of these crafts kind of alive um, where, you know, you have a lot of these community groups that are up in like church halls and community centers and all that kind of thing going around and they're all like, they wouldn't be calling themselves maybe makers or, or that kind of movement, but that's, there's always these groups and people love it. Um, so how do we kind of make people more aware of those things and how do we get, you know, maybe a knitting group talking to an electronics group or a robotics group talking to a music group or whatever? How, how do we bring that together? Because overall that creates a better kind of culture and vibe in, in the city. Uh, and that's kind of what it, it's about, but kind of, it's not about making sure everyone's super, you know, knows everything about physics or science or knows exactly how their phone works or whatever. But it's curious that they know a little bit about it and maybe, you know, go and, and do more. And that's that's kind of contagious. Um, so if you see someone make it, and that's why we do these events uh, around that, is, is to kind of make people come and talk to the people who are making this stuff, see how they fail all the time. Because we have a lot of stuff where we just show the shiny thing and it works and it's perfect and it's all great. But that's not how it works. You know, you, you do make lots and lots of mistakes. Being able to talk, you talk about the dialogue uh, between people, and you know it, it's great for uh, someone to be able to, you know, a scientist or an engineer or just this kind of maker, kind of go, here's prototype one, burned down the house, you know, here's prototype two, <laughs> you know, only half the house got burned down, three, four, and now here's this really cool thing that works, and just kind of show, you know, because it's too intimidating sometimes to find the product of things. Uh, so the process is what's all about. And I love it as a concept for, uh, like, it is public engagement with science when you think of like maker movements and stuff like that because you are people are learning about fundamentals of how things work like even if that's like the tension of your knitting stitches because that's like physics and there's also a lot of maths in uh, knitting and stuff like that as well so like really giving people practical things that are engaging with science I love it and one way that you do and actually bring all these different kinds of makers together is through Dublin Maker tell us about that yeah, so Dublin Makers, it's it's a community-run event. It's a volunteer event. Uh, so it's, it's run by myself and uh, three others, Tomas, Jeffrey, and, and Laura. Uh, and we've been running it for 11 years, uh, 12 years, just just a long time. Um, and the idea of this was to bring kind of all these mixed of community groups together, anybody who's working in maybe, you know, science education, on their own, in their bedroom. And I think it's an eclectic mix that we bring together. And then we do all the kind of advertising and stuff to get people to come in. Uh, and it's a free event. Uh, so there's no barriers uh, you know, to attend or, or do it. This was idea. So we've been running it uh, in different locations. Uh, so we, we, we started offering it in, on the physics lawn in Trinity College. Then we ran it in Marion Square for many years. Uh, and this year we're, we're, we're moving to uh, Richmond Barracks in Inchicore. Um, so at that event, you'll have around 50 makers. And it really is an eclectic mix. So you will have robots, you know, big fighting robots that you can control. But we will have weavers and felting and iron jumper making. Uh, and we'll have the library and we'll have AI robots and we'll have just a, a complete mix that you don't really know from stall to stall uh, what, you're, what you're going to see. The people on the stalls are also there giving their time for free to show off these things. Uh, and in a way, one thing, it sets them a deadline. You know, if you ever start a project, you kind of get, you know, the, this kind of curve where at the start, you're like, yeah, I really want to make stuff. Oh, it's great. I'll finish that next week. And it's like six months and staring at you from the box. And you're like, so it gives you de- uh, the makers kind of a deadline to, to finish things and show it off. And then talk about the things they love and, and maybe get more people in, interested in their club, whether it's cosplay or making props or, you know, these things. But they have their own communities they're very passionate about. Um, and it gets people in there. Yeah, so we've been running it for, for 
for many, many years now. Uh, and it's always been a great success. We get 10,000 people come along. And uh, yeah, it's a real family day. Uh, we get a lot of, you know, it's, it's some of these events also you get, it's like, it's, it's, it's for kids. You know, it's for five-year-olds or, you know, it's for teenagers or it's for adults. And ours is very kind of across the board of it. And what we kind of see is, you get families and maybe the like the dad or the mom are kind of pushing the kids forward to go ask ask that man about amateur radio or something like this, right? <laughs> um, and they go and they, they they you know do the demo and we're always about it's hands on. You talked about it's hands on, you know, so it's just like you know we tell people you're going to get jam on your stuff, <laughs> like people like the show it off. There's going to be hands uh, on your on your things, but then from behind the kids, the like the mums and the dads are asking questions, you know, as well because they're curious about things going on. Um, and we get lots of feedback about you. Know, kids going home and, and then wanting to do, you know, science kits or like, why don't we build a catapult? <laughs> you know, this kind of thing. So um, overall, you know, we love it. We, we don't, it's nonprofit. We don't, we don't take a penny from it. And we just do it every year because we think it changes kind of how people feel about making in a very, yeah, it's not shown in scientific papers or journalists. It's, it's much more, you know, low level curiosity driven kind of stuff. And That's what I was going to ask. I mean, like, it's just, it's such a great event, sounds really interactive and everything. So, like, I can see the motivation for people going. Um, but as you said, it's non-profit. Like, why do you do it? Well, we started running and then running it and then we stopped. stopped. We forgot to stop running it. Um, it's just... <laughs> uh, switch the off button on. Yeah, we just run it every year. Um, no, it's not... Well, you have, you know, a, a city like Dublin is, you know, only a city like Dublin because of the events that happen there and the culture and where that's theatre or, you know, uh, music or, or comedy or any of this kind of stuff. And science is part of that or, you know, our technology is part of that and it's part of our culture. Uh, so you've got kind of two options. You either, you know, you hope events get run like like our one uh, that, like, you know, are, are open and kind of what I commercialization and get people in and kids excited about it. Uh, or you run it yourselves, because um, that's we we want that small change uh, to happen, and we and, and yeah, we like it. The makers that come and, and exhibit, you know, they're then our our friends and, and stuff as well, and and they see a word in it, we see a word in it, and uh, yeah, it's their spare time, so it's 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 some evenings and grant writing and all this kind of stuff and trying to get sponsors, but uh, yeah, it's it's worth it in the end. All the tear in your hair, I'm wondering how many kids have blown their house up after <laughs> meeting you guys. <laughs> That's that covered by our insurance after the event. Yeah. <laughs> and what, like, I really, I've been to Dublin Maker so many times. It really is such a fantastic event. And like you said, you get like thousands of people coming through there. It's, it's like put in a location that's really like accessible. It does make things really open for non-scientific community people to get involved. But do you find, because you run so many of these kind of events, you've been involved with like science communication events for such a long time. That, that is actually one of the hardest gaps to bridge that you're actually reaching people who are fully outside the scientific community that aren't connected to a scientist or scientific person in any way. Yeah, it's, it's a big one. Um, so, yeah, doing stuff like talks and stuff like this, you go, you, if the MC asks, who here in the room is interested in science? Like, everyone puts their hand up. They're all scientists or whatever. And it's true. There is a bubble there that you need to get out. Um, so it's, it's one of the ways we dress Dublin Maker up as, uh, not we dress it up, but that it is a family event, which doesn't kind of mean, it's not you're a family of scientists or a family of, of physicists or, or engineers. It's like, come here. We also have some live music and there's some food that you can eat. And your, your kid is going to, you know, uh, go off and make some things or play with yeah, some Lego and free. do stuff. It's free. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely free. So free was a big decision. Um, so we, we were talking about the, the maker movement, um, which happened also kicked off massively in America about 10 years. Um, and they run things differently. So their events, uh, these massive uh, maker fairs, as they call this, very like, like Dublin Maker. Um, but it's $40 in uh, for everybody. And they have 100,000 people show up. Uh, and I'm like, you know, there, there, there was... You, you can commercialize this, but it, it also those events died over there eventually. You know, it, it's kind of so for us, it was like if even if we start charging, you know, uh, you know, small fee, you're going to cut out a part of your audience and probably the part of your audience that you want there most. Um, and uh, it's also why we move our event around a little bit. And I was thinking about moving to Inchicore uh, this year. You know, so Marion Square is really accessible and it's, and it's really nice, but it's really handy for if you live on, the, you know, houses along the dark line kind of thing, right? Um, so we've been there for a good few years. Uh, so now it's kind of try to place yourself into another community uh, that, you know, maybe didn't get over to Marion Square because uh, it was, you know, the other side of the city. Uh, we go there and, and build up our reputation and hope that those families will come uh, to, to the event. And that's, that's super important. And it's also super important to uh, represent it. Sorry, <laughs> go on for too long. But represent it in the makers that those people are diverse as well. So it's not just uh, the people who have, uh, you know, the, the free time to be doing th this kind of stuff, uh, which which is uh, common. So we, we reach out to a lot of community groups, um, uh, John of Gods, uh, Traveller Societies. Um, uh, we have refugees from Ukraine uh, who are now entrepreneurs who are kind of showing off this year or making traditional Ukrainian crowns and this kind of stuff where you have other people with their maker cultures as well and we want that to be reflected in our event and I guess it being free in and we're not we're not kind of forced by commercial sponsors to do this one thing or have this you know big multi-corp zone um we're like we try to go and find the things that we we want uh to have in our, our event so we can be picky and, and you need to go out and, and grab uh people from their comfort zones if that's you know if you go science event you can luxury, I can find, I can go UCD staff directly and, and find enough people there to talk at an event or whatever. But it's the ones that don't know what, you know, what a maker is or whatever. You have to go out and, and, and find those groups. Um, so that's super important to us. And what are some of the standout um, kind of double maker projects and showcases that have been there over the years? They're all good. Um, <laughs> they're all, Do you want time to list all of them? <laughs> no, I, I'm, and I always, always forget them. Um, I... Uh, well, we always had, the, we had big robots. Uh, we had them again uh, this year. And they was a, we kind of created a kind of a, like a boxing ring around these. Uh, so last year we had these recycled uh, kind of made from like gas canisters and stuff. And they were, they could be controlled by robots and they were punching like that. And, and the kids are going mad just around this kind of uh, fight. And we had an MC, like a boxing ring thing like that. Robot <laughs> Wars, I yeah, love, so, love it. So we basically have Robot Wars this year. We have a, a nine by nine meter uh, kind of Robot Wars um ring and then the robots can be controlled from outside the ring by kids or whatever so Brilliant. you can get your to do without building the robot do it yourself um we have that stuff uh we're talking about knitting earlier and, and we have had the knitters and, and the weavers uh there wasn't i was talking about the mix between technologies we had a twitter knitter uh which was um guys in, in the talk hacker space uh trina and becky who who got a knitting machine when these old kind of you know, big uh, traditional knitting machines and then added motors to all the kind of bits that you would have done by hand and then hooked it up to the internet so it could knit out tweets as it came through. So if you did a hashtag Twitter knitter, then it would tweet, it would it would knit out your, your tweet automatically. Um, so sort of that, I mean, it's it's just irrelevant. It's just for fun. It's just so you can do it and to be great. You know, we, it didn't solve any world's problems. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's pretty cool kind of stuff. 
Um, but yeah, even those, uh, it's just been cigar box guitars. We have the amateur radio guys. We have, um, yeah, just, just a million things. One guy made, he had, there was a guy last year, he had a tiny little stall, and it was just this uh, piece of electronics, just a button with one, one key on it. So he was, he was a, I think, a Spanish guy, a French guy, Italian guy. He had, in his name, he had that C with the little curl at the end Fidilla, of it. Yeah. yeah, right. And he said he was getting sick of being in work that no one would spell his name correctly. So he created just that, that one key with a USB thing. So you could add it to your laptop and just press <laughs> his key and he was just handing them out. And he made a box like it was a product and like this. And it was just a whole kind of joke that he made. I love that so, again, so much. <laughs> it's just like completely pointless, but he's gone and built the whole thing and he would share and open source it. Um, so, uh, yeah, those ones, I, I, prop makers have come with like the blood and all the, you know, the mm -hmm. silicon stuff and kids are running around with like, fake swords and this kind of <laughs> stuff. And you're like, yay. Forges, metal forges and wood turners, all that stuff has been really cool. Really cool. When I mean, you see this, like, uh, you know, a kid with a spinning piece of wood in front of him and like, but it, it'll uh, gouge, gouge in a wood and it's just wood chippings going everywhere. <laughs> and you're like, this is amazing, you know. This is not something you, you do get like anywhere else, I think, um, or at least this mix of them. You know, yeah. um, so you can go from that, from from the wood turning to, to uh, electronics. We have a repair cafe this year. Uh, so you want a repair Great. cafe? Yeah, so tall cack space again around that. So you can bring any, if you have your, you try to make your toaster different and you broke it. <laughs> um, you can bring that and they'll fix your toaster. So you bring it along and the, the guys have, you know, tools. They'll also teach you as much as possible how you did to fix your toaster. Um, but yeah, people come and bring on, you know, around furniture, uh, electronics and like Xbox controllers and they open them up and clean them out and they're working again and this kind of stuff. And it's, again, it's just showing people that... Um, yeah, you can fix and, and improve your stuff. Well, if it's a gaming cartridge, you just have to blow on it. I think that's all. <laughs> fix the spit yeah. fixes, right? everything. fixes everything. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love that though. I love the repair cafe element as well because it's like it's like what you what goes back to what you said about um, you know makers not just seeing a finished product that's too overwhelming, but like failure and mistake and the whole like a scientific or a technology process is figuring stuff out and as you said maybe setting the house on fire and then setting half the house on fire and then setting none of the house on fire it yeah, would be great <laughs> yeah. yeah but also the repair movement is a really important part of like making anything to reduce the waste along the way yeah yeah it's it's i think it's it's a good gateway into it actually um so yeah we throw i think if, if you have a fear of your your technology i don't mm. know if that, that, that i don't people are really scared of it, but they're scared of opening things mm. uh definitely you're like i'm scared of opening things yeah but like you weren't with a nokia you used to bust those oh yeah open all the time yeah that's <laughs> yeah. true well uh, you know a set of screwdrivers will get you quite far and you, you can uh, and when you open things make a lot more sense when you actually open up kind of products you're like actually it's not as complicated as, as I thought so unplug them first as I said but um, <laughs> apart from that there's not much if it's broken already there's not much you can do uh, you can't break it more yeah you might fix it but you know you can change screens and phones and you can do uh, you know sometimes it's just a fuse and sometimes it's just you know you open it up and a, and a wire is just hanging off and you're like that wire needs to go back <laughs> in that place you, you put it back in or you solder it back in and uh so, so basic skills like that, like soldering electronics, you know, when you melt it, like the, 
that can be learned by it seems like really scary but it's met, like hot thing to metal melty melty <laughs> yeah. it's fixed and it, you can now go fix loads of stuff then it can nearly be addictive you taught me it at oh, a science sure. hack day and I was like <laughs> for hours then that night I was like is there anything else that needs soldering <laughs> so that was cool. just a lead fumes was it <laughs> yeah it was just I'm in a little uh, badge oh yeah soldering. I can yeah. solder badge I still yeah. have it and it's oh, in my house but like realistically if you're tinkering with all these things so often how many times have you shocked yourself yeah, I've shocked myself a couple of times. Um, I shocked myself twice. I was doing a, I was actually an e-waste hackathon. Uh, cool. So we were making uh, musical instruments from um, kind of just, just e-waste sort of stuff. And it was a disco ball there and it wasn't working. And I, I was kind of hacking around with it. And I tested to see if it worked. And then I tried to work on it again. I shocked myself in a disco ball. And then <laughs> I pretty much did it maybe 30 minutes later again. I said, probably should stop working on mains electricity. That does sound like your first hit single, though. I shocked myself with the disco ball. Yeah, I really like the sound of that. But I wanted to bring that up because I wanted to showcase how stupid a rockwick scientist can be. Okay. (laughs) Because, yeah, you're tinkering with things and you shock yourself. You're a dummy. But also, you're a rocket scientist. So that's really cool. (laughs) You're literally the paragon that people use to depict intelligence. Like, it's not rocket science while it is when it's your day yeah. job. <laughs> but it's, it's, it really is all about making mistakes and working on, on you know, great teams of, of people. It is about that. It's just making mistakes and we make them all the time and just admit them really quickly. And it's just like, it's, an, it's just part of the process. You know, it's, it really isn't like everyone just, just knocking out their park. It's like, um, but being able to take that, like that, you go, oh, I think you might be wrong, and you, go, oh yeah, I am wrong. Thanks. You know, it's just a thanks. Like it's, you know, uh, uh, and yeah, you, you have to build. Sometimes you just have to build prototypes and mess them up before you you figure it out. Uh, and to bring that into some of your other work, so aside from being uh, this fantastic events organizer with uh, a team of people that are also brilliant at doing this. You have your day job um, and you do loads of other things. And one of them is helping to bring Ireland's first satellite to fruition. So this is AirSat 1, which is a CubeSat. So let's start off with like maybe what the hell is a CubeSat? <laughs> yeah, so CubeSat is it's, it's a nano satellite. So it's, it's quite a small satellite. When people think satellites, they think maybe really big, I don't know, size of a car or something like that. So um, a CubeSat is generally a size of like a shoebox, that kind of thing. Um, and it's a CubeSat because it, it is uh, it starts up with units of cubes, so ten centimeters by ten centimeters by ten centimeters. Um, that's a one U CubeSat, uh, one unit, uh, and AirSat's a two U unit, so it's twenty centimeters by ten by ten. Um, so it, it would fit in your hands, and you could you could carry it around. Um, so it's been built in, in UCD uh, over the last six years. Um, so I'm, yeah, I, I'm work with it's, it's between engineering and physics. Uh, so I, I'm the engineering manager. It's student-led and student-built um, in, in that way. So it's, it's PhD students, uh, some master students, and they've been around long enough to become postdocs and, and uh, have been working on this from scratch, from nothing. Uh, and now we have a fully functional uh, working satellite that we're just waiting for launch. Um, so, yeah, it's, pretty, it's been an amazing experience uh, just working with, with uh, yeah, some, some really clever people uh, on, on it. So... Yeah, it's, so it's going to go, it goes up in the space, it's going to go whatever, 500 odd kilometers up and stay there for um, maybe 10 years and, and do some science. You do some science. science. I, space. I do get excited when like Ireland is on the, the space map, the map for like sending things up to space and doing big really map. cool stuff. Big map. <laughs> big space map. <laughs> 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 but um, like how, 
much as something like the AirSat project, the AirSat One project developed like the skills around space tech in Ireland? Like, do we have those skills? I mean, like your team obviously does. Yeah, they, we didn't. We didn't six years ago. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of um, what we call systems engineering. It's just how all the bits work together. Mm-hmm. So your satellite will have like a battery and like sensors to know where it is and actuators to move it around um, and a brain, like a computer and solar panels, all this kind of stuff. Uh, but how you make all those things work together. So if you change one thing, it usually has a knock-on effect on, on, on this. So if you make a ticker, that's going to change the thermal things or the structural things. Um, so ha- ha- knowing how to build a spacecraft um, completely was, was the skills we just didn't have here. So there are Irish companies that work on kind of parts of spacecraft, uh, bigger, bigger bigger spacecraft. But we've never done the whole thing, uh, we're going from design and then operating it. So we have our ground station on, on uh, the roof uh, in over in UCD. And, and so building all that radio link up and then having to operate the satellite, uh, which we'll, we'll hopefully be doing soon. Um, so yeah, how do we get the data back? How do we talk to it? How do we send radio signals up to it and, and uh, make it do our will? Do <laughs> um, that science, um, but yeah. So, so there's been about fifty students coming through, uh, learning all that, and, and some have, have come through already and gone into space companies, and, and others are, are hanging around for the for the next stuff that we want to do. Um, but yeah, it's it's been a, a crazy experience f- for all of them. But uh, hopefully, that this is they're going to go out and, and, and start their own space companies, and, and do that when eventually we don't want them to leave, but eventually if they do. Um, yeah, hopefully the project has been a kind of a seed for, um, yeah, a growth. Because space is this kind of new space and, all, you know, there's a great opportunity for uh, for growth in the space industry in Ireland. Uh, yeah, so it's it's sort of like, you know, those 50 students that have kind of come through it and stuff, you're kind of like that is essentially fueling a significant part of like the space tech talent that's growing in Ireland because they move on to those other companies. And yeah, stuff. moving the companies to move uh, in, into their own things. We also have a space master, space technology and masters um, there in UCD as well. A space master. Yeah. There's a title. <laughs> Um, I'm a master of space. Yeah. <laughs> so we got to build up that. And so the people coming out, they're more, yeah, they're not only uh, smart, talented people, but they're they're kind of aware of how the space industry works and how, how, how like each industry has their own kind of um, uh, strange and oddities and, and whatever. And, and yeah, they're up there and they're, they're top of their game. And, and um, yeah, they get hired very easily. And can you talk a little bit about the involvement of the Irish space tech sector and, and how that's kind of playing out in the ecosystem? Yeah, so we have, yes, yeah, so we have a lot of, so Enterprise Ireland is our, our kind of, um, we don't have a space agency, but they're the people mm. that kind of look after the, the space companies in Ireland. And we're looking at kind of around 100 Irish space companies. So you probably maybe wouldn't think that, is that you know, we don't have. Even I didn't know it was that many. Wow. Yeah, yeah so, it, so it, cool. space is, is, is massive. So you, you end up, you know, someone has this big, I'm saying James Webb or something, telescope that you, you want to build. And uh, so that's a giant company. We don't have one of these like a prime company uh, in Ireland, but we have the kind of small manufacturing companies that will build stuff. So we have uh, uh, like uh, Realtrack who, who made the camera that saw James Webb going off, right? Mm. So that's kind of a bit that made this one part. So it's kind of a tree of like you start off the prime and then subcontractor, sub, sub, subcontractor, subcontractor. Um, so we have Irish companies making composites, making soft, uh, so materials, uh, making software uh, for space, uh, doing fluid dynamic simulations. And they're all just company. And sometimes it's part of their company. It's not all of their company. And sometimes uh, it, it is their, their full job. Um, so we're making gyroscopes and accelerometers, which are you know sensors to know how things are spinning and moving and stuff. That's all made in Ireland, uh, in the labs. So we have um, a thermal coating on AirSat, which is uh, made by Embio. 
so on the top there's this kind of black and white che checkered pattern um, and that's really good at, at, at kind of keeping a satellite cool uh, so it's it's on solar orbiter already which is a, a satellite that's going to be the closest thing to the sun uh, heading heading that way uh, so it's the sunscreen on, on that uh, and we're going to be testing it in low water orbit uh, where we're going so we're not going as far as they're going um, and then uh, we have like the GPSs uh, given us by Tauglast, uh, who's down in Ireland as well. Uh, we have uh, we have a gamma ray burst detector, which is some of the science. I didn't want to get into science, but the gamma ray burst detector uh, that's on it, uh, the the kind of sensors that pick up these uh, the light uh, from our scintillator are from uh, we were from Sensel, which were a company in Ireland as well. They were now on uh, semiconductor. So. Um, yeah, we've got lots of help from from Irish companies. We've had uh, help uh, from kind of other universities and other places. You know, little bits if we needed this or that. Everyone's been really, really helpful. Uh, if you wanted to test a radio or something, and we didn't have the facilities, someone would help us out. Uh, Ireland's nice and small that you need <laughs> to someone to help you out with stuff. Yeah, that is a, always a huge advantage about working in an ecosystem environment. And this is definitely like, I mean, you have so many players involved with this. Like even just on the AirSat team, there's so many people. But it's hugely student led as well, which is just really just a great thing to happen like i love it for that yeah yeah it's amazing that's it's it's um you know so uh there's myself and, and lorraine and sheila over in physics kind of on the academic side and ronan doing uh the project management after that we're keeping the show on the road but all the kind of you know a lot technical stuff uh, and the integration the building our clean rooms uh and we're, we're part of the European Space Agency Fly Your Satellite program, uh, which puts manners on us, serious manners on us all the time. Documentation, documentation, documentation. We're doing this whole thing completely right. Um, so all these students are going through have done it the European Space Agency way. You know, it's the exact same way you'd build a spacecraft in any uh, company in Europe if you wanted to do it for European Space Agency. So the skills that they learned uh, has been massive. Um, and a PhD, so mine has been PhDs, which is four or five years of your life. So if you're going to take a chunk of that, and, and I think it's a pretty cool project to, to work on. Um, Does it look good on their CVs? Looks good on their CVs. <laughs> um, but it's good. And we're moving. We have, we have uh, so myself, and, and well, led by Sheila McBreen in physics, uh, we have a, a six-use uh, CubeSat that's going to come down the line as well. Uh, so that's three times bigger than AirSat. So just this and other projects, you know, it's, it's really kicking off. Um, what's happening it's it's not going to be a one-off thing we're, we're going to be building more so in that and just building up uh, the capabilities i i started like just when i started with like an empty lab which used to be a kind of a um looked like a walk-in fridge and it was like kind of it was like a, it was a temperature controlled room but having those big doors you might see in a restaurant um which then added filters to it and now became the clean room and we built magnetic fields, fake magnetic fields and turntables and fake sun sources, all this stuff. And we've built up an amazing amount of test equipment to test satellites in space that we just didn't have. Um, so the jump that we've done in, in six years is just kind of, it's always incremental, so you don't notice it, but occasionally you look back and you're like, this is crazy. So it's good stuff. And kind of bringing it back to like that public engagement, science communication side of things. I Certainly, I think we've spoken about this before on the podcast, like, People love space. Like, it's definitely something that gets people excited when it comes to science. Like, Penny sells NASA t-shirts yeah. now. Like, that's how cool space is. Yeah. Why do you think that is? And, like, it doesn't, like, it does get challenged. Like, people are like, why do we spend so much money on sending rockets to the moon and stuff like that? But it's also still something that really captures the imagination of the public more than any kind of branch of science, I think. Yeah. It, it, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty cool. Um <laughs> 
I do remember uh, a colleague of mine giving it a, a kind of space talk at the end. It's like kid puts their hand up and they just go, space and dinosaurs. <laughs> And then just sit down, you know, and that's it. Just space <laughs> and dinosaurs. You know, it's pretty cool. Yep. Uh, I mean, no, adorable and accurate. No real question. No. Um, so it is, it is a great way in, uh, and, and we've been doing stuff with, um, with schools and we had an airside comic book and we've been doing lots of talks and all this kind of stuff. And, and we're, we're using that and we're trying to use it as a platform to get, get people interested uh, in it. The idea of, it's a really good question that you, you like space, we have other issues on Earth as usual thing. Like, while, like you know, you're sending that thing to space with your gamma ray bursts while, you know, my grandmother's in hospital and waiting on a bed or something like this, right? And it's, you know, a legitimate question. But how it works is, and it's, it, it, it's unfortunately, yeah, it's one of these public engagements. It's, it's a hard question to answer uh, um, shortly. So let me try my best. Um, but basically, our, our, our space industry in Ireland uh, generates money, right? So for every euro we invest, for the European Space Agency, we generate by four euro more. So the net income to Ireland from, from having a space industry and running all this stuff is positive. And that's the money that we put back into schools and hospitals and stuff like this. The money that we spend on things like Airsat also just go into the, the education of these students and like that. We don't attach that money to the rocket and send it off into space. It gets spent here on Earth and it's a stimulus uh, uh, and creates jobs um, um, here as well. Uh, so it's it's worth it for this. You know, the science is one thing. If you're interested in that, we learn more about our universe and gamma ray bursts. We learn more about these coatings and we learn more about turning the satellite around and stuff like this um, with our control systems. Um, that, that's what one side of things. But overall, if we don't, as Ireland, have a high tech industry uh, with, uh, you know, we, we do all this stuff, we get people educated up to really high level, but we want them to have high tech jobs that generate lots of money. And this, this is kind of part of it. And that's, if we don't do that, we're just going to slump off uh, the economy, you know, we, we, we fall behind. There's lots of money to be made in space if our, and small countries like Ireland, because Scotland and Belgium and all these other small countries that are similar, New Zealand with Rocket Labs, are creating, you know, just billion euro companies in Scotland who are space. So why, if Scotland can do it, why can't Ireland do that? Um, so it, here's our opportunity to jump on, on board and, uh, and, and push that and have Ireland. It won't be the world leader in space, but we can carve out our niche in what we're good at uh, and, and it can be a big part of our economy. And there was something Patty from Dias said when we had uh, them on to talk about the James Webb Space Telescope. It was the first episode of the podcast. And um, he's talking about like how like things that have been developed for space have have found application on the ground on Earth and stuff like that. And it's because space is so challenging that like if you could solve something for space, like you can solve a lot of challenges here. It, when it comes to the skill side, do, is that what happens then? Like, not only are there just like you know high tech training and stuff like that, and they could do space engineering and develop space tech, but like they must be really skillful problem solvers as well. Yeah, it's, it's the process that they learn, uh, the professionalism of, of kind of how it's run. Uh, we, we hope you know we, we've brought in people from who've worked as project managers in industry in these big space companies, and now we're, are project managing AirSat as well. So that what what we're having is. You know, it's not, oh, we're going to have a go at this kind of thing. It's, we've done it, and it's taken enough time. It's taken the six years, but we've done it uh, properly. So those skills are, are embedded in, in these students. And the, we find that, you know, when you, we have this kind of a churn of students. PhD is about four years, so as, as you know, we get new people coming in all the time. But the standards are set, you know, as they come in and... Um, yeah, everybody kind of works together. Um, and I think it, it just raises uh, everybody up. 
when they go out and, and, and become part of, you know, they leave education, become part of the Irish economy, they're going to set a, a very high bar, uh, I think. So, uh, yeah, you know, you talk about impact and you're like, well, in 10 years time, these people, we don't know, but I, I, I guarantee you come back in 10 years time. Um, series 20 of Protect uh, <laughs> uh, Protects Podcast, we're going to see uh, these people doing great things. And to stay sort of on that topic, I'm going to take a leaf out of that kid's book and just say space and money. <laughs> I'd love to know your thoughts on like the private space race and like space tourism in general, because that's really ramping up now in the last couple of years. Billionaires going to space, billionaires sending people to space. Discuss. Discuss. Yeah. Uh, you, you kind of have to separate the billionaires from the private mm. space is, is the way because the billionaires are just you know, the, the, the egos on, on the side of things and, mm. and they're doing stuff. So there's been some, you know, if you take, if you separate Elon Musk from SpaceX, right? So SpaceX have done ridiculously good stuff mm. around, okay, rockets, launches, reusable rockets, completely disrupted uh, the rockets and, you know, what was uh, you know, a very strong European market uh, has, has been kind of shifted very close to them because just undercutting is so much cheaper to do that. Um, now, who did that? That's still like some crazy good engineers in SpaceX that you don't know the names of and I don't know the names of, right? And then there's the, the other guy, <laughs> right, <laughs> who's, who's there kind of pretending he invented everything and he does all, all the things. Um <laughs> And it's all, you know, he's doing marketing, I guess, for himself. But, you know, it, it's all uh, bluff there. But the private space and, and companies and SpaceX are, you know, are going to do moon stuff and, and, and uh, space station, they're already doing it, the, the resupplies. That's here to stay. You know, that would have been stuff that was done by, you know, uh, space agencies like NASA and European Space Agency and, and, and the Russians. Um, they want to move that. The space agencies want to focus more on the science side of things and the missions and that, uh, and the kind of more boring bringing people up and down to a space station. How boring is that? But like that side of things, the bus up and down to space uh, to the private companies. So we're going to see that. We're going to see the smaller ones. And, and this move towards CubeSats, like AirSat, also kind of allows kind of smaller companies with smaller rockets uh, do that stuff. So there's lots happening there. Um, yeah, the billionaire stuff is... <laughs> It's kind of annoying. I guess it keeps it in 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 the public eye, but it's yeah, kind of rocket measuring contest going on there. <laughs> it's um, a little bit weird. I, I, there was a there was a quote from Elon Musk going like that he wants to die on Mars. And the question is, how do we get him there as quickly as possible? <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> what a great ending for <laughs> it. Uh, thank you so much for talking to us today, David. Uh, it was so great to learn about, about Double Maker. I will be going. I really hope more of our listeners go. It's just such a great opportunity to talk to people like yourself and learn a little bit more about this it's stuff. It's on the 2nd of September. <laughs> Get Saturday, the plug in there. Saturday yeah. the 2nd of September in Inchicore and Richmond Barracks. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, just a uh, great job. Love your work. Uh, hate your face. Great to talk to you. <laughs> it's just one-way hate. I love you. <laughs> just a barrage of insults. <laughs> Protexic is a co-production from Silicon Republic and the Headstuff Podcast Network, hosted by Elaine Burke and Jenny Darmody. Thanks to Hilary Barry for production, Matt Mahan and Dali for our graphics, Claudia Grande for her social media support, and all at the Headstuff team. You can follow us at Pod on your platform of choice or let us know what you think via ForTechSakePod at gmail.com. As a Headstuff Plus community member, you get access to bonus content from across the network, so do check out some of our sister shows and give them your support. And tune in next week for an all-new episode. Thank you. 
This show is part of the Head Stuff Podcast Network. 